Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody. Hi. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Let's dive right in, folks. I don't want to waste any time. I'm on a strict sked with the baby here, so we're going to fly through today's episode and let's start it off by continuing our State of the Franchise series. For those that don't know, State of the Franchise is just going to look at where the Winnipeg Jets rank across the NHL heading into this upcoming season, maybe even where they rank in an all-Canadian division because that's where things are likely to head up here. We looked at the forwards last week, and today we're going to see where the blue line in Winnipeg ranks across the NHL. Things were still fairly positive up front for the club. I had the Jets forward sneaking into the top 10. Maybe not as high as some people would like, but either way, an impressive group. That will not be the case here. <laughs> it's the clear weakness of the squad, but how weak are they? Well, let's let's take a look. Actually, we'll start off like we did last week with a case of, of good news, bad news. I, I, I kind of like doing good news, bad news. The good? The Jets' decor is much better than it was to start last season. And it's also better than the one they ended last season with, so that's positive. The bad news? Well, the bad is it's not enough to get the Jets out of the bottom 10 of the NHL. And in my opinion, they're actually dangerously close to the bottom five still. So let's take a look. I'm not going to get through all of the, the rankings here of where the teams stack up, but I'll, I'll go through the top 10 here and maybe some Canadian teams. By the way, let me know where you think the Winnipeg Jets are when it comes to blue line in the NHL. On Twitter, at Brandon underscore Rewicki. I'd actually be intrigued to see how many people do not believe they're a bottom 10 defense core in the league. Uh, but just quickly, my top 10... I went with Tampa Bay number one. Tampa Bay was also the number one forward team, so you can get a sense of, you know, never mind the Jets, but just how much every team in the NHL is chasing Tampa Bay. They're the standard bearer. They're the ones that everyone is trying to get to. Victor Hedman's the best defenseman in the NHL for at least three years running. He was the star for me for their run to the Stanley Cup this past season. You have Mikhail Sergachev, who I thought took a leap. Top-pairing defenseman, Ryan McDonough, still a top-pairing defenseman. And I like Eric Chernak. And you know what? I actually I kind of liked Eric Chernak as a possible candidate to join the Jets this season if Tampa couldn't fit him in under the cap. So they've, I mean, they're just loaded. Quickly in the top five, Vegas jumps all the way to number two. Yeah, Vegas. I mean, Alex Petrangelo's a no-doubt-about-a-top-10 guy. That helps tremendously. But Shea Theodore, the leap he took, I mean, my God, he is 
a special, special player. He's going to be an all-star for years to come. So to have those two guys split up on your top four pairing, I love when teams can do that because that essentially means for 50 out of the 60 minutes, you have a no-doubt-about-it stud. And on top of that, you know, actually, their third pair for for those Manitobans that want to hear about this, Zach Whitecloud was really good for them last season. He's a really good find. So he's going to be a part of a pretty solid third pair out there in Vegas as well. Uh, the Golden Knights are followed by Dallas at number three. I mean, we all saw what they did in their run to the Stanley Cup final. The thing I love most about the Stars is the balance they have in their top four, where you have Klingberg paired with Lindell, then you have Heiskanen paired with Alexiak, kind of the the prototypical stay-at-home guy mixed with a, a little more of an offensive-leading player. I'm going to have the Colorado Avalanche at number four. The reason I have Colorado number four is, I mean, a big part of it is Kale McCarr. I, I think right now top five defenseman in the NHL, no doubt about it. He's just electric. Like, take his age away from it, and you just watch him play, and there's very, very few guys in the NHL that can do what he does. Carolina, number five, Nashville, reigning Norris Trophy winner, Roman Yossi. I mean, the Preds have been a top five team for what feels like an eternity now, and then they're followed by Columbus. Minnesota actually does. I know know we like to make fun of the Wild here in Winnipeg, but Minnesota has a a really, really strong decor, one through six. I had them at eight, followed by Montreal at number nine. Our old buddy Ben Sherratt having a real nice season with the Canadian there. Um, Just going through the Canadian teams quickly, Calgary for me, number 12. Toronto, a jump all the way. (laughs) Yeah, all the way up to 15. They're all the way to middle of the pack. Uh, but they made some nice additions. I think T.J. Brody's the perfect defenseman. Again, too bad that T.J. Brody didn't want to come and play here in Winnipeg. I think he's going to be great for the Leafs, and I think Riley Brody is pretty solid for them. So the Leafs aren't great on the back end, but they're not as bad as they have been in years past. Uh, Vancouver was 18th for me, pretty much basically just because of Quinn Hughes, and I do like Nate Schmidt as well. There's some question marks for them. Uh, once you get into the depth of the decor for Vancouver, but I mean Quinn Hughes is a borderline superstar already for them. Now we get into the bottom ten. Detroit is by far the worst. Poor Thomas Shabbat in Ottawa. I have them thirtieth. He's great. I love everything about him. The rest of their decor is shockingly bad. They're followed by the Kings at twenty ninth, and then we get a little bit closer to the Winnipeg Jets. Chicago twenty eight, New Jersey twenty seven. So there's your bottom five, Detroit, Ottawa, L.A., Chicago, New Jersey. So thankfully, the Jets aren't in the bottom five. Unfortunately, 26, Edmonton, and 25, the Winnipeg Jets. That's right. I actually have the Buffalo Sabres decor ranked ahead of the Winnipeg Jets right now, which is that's a little concerning if you're a fan of the Jets and think that a deep playoff run is, is hopefully you're optimistic for that in the near future. It's the biggest question mark on this team. There's no doubt about it. Um, Again, like I said earlier, they've gotten better. I mean, they were easily a bottom five defense core in the NHL to start last season. You moved up to 25th. Now, can they get... I don't know. How high can they get this season? If If we assume there's no more moves to be made, maybe into that 20 high teens range. Maybe. But we'll get into possibly how they can do that a little bit later on here. Uh, But let's start with the bottom. We'll look at the depth guys on the Jets first before we make our way up into the top four, into the top pairing. I know a lot of people didn't like the Lucas Bisa signing. They were upset. I I don't really have a big problem with it, mainly because you look at it, he's like ninth or 10th 
on the organizational depth chart. So I'd, I'll be surprised if he gets any games in this season. So I'm not overly concerned about that deal. This is a bit of a tough one for Jets fans because we were all really high on him. You know, he wins AHL Defenseman of the Year at 22, I believe. And it looked like, you know what? We plucked another gem out of the seventh round. Kevin Chevaldea found another late-round pick that could be pretty beneficial to the team. And then Sammy Nigu went and had the season from hell. It really did. It was just an absolute nightmare before he even stepped on the ice, remember? I mean, you get into a car accident heading to training camp, and it just sucked that he never he never got a chance to prove his worth, I think. I'm not necessarily blaming the coaching staff for this either, right? But it was just, it, it started bad, and it just it went into a tailspin real quickly, and Sammy could never get back on track. I will say this about Sammy Niku, though. And for those that know me know I'm a big analytics guy. And there's a lot of, you know, big-time analytics followers here in Winnipeg. Here's what I'll say about this, though. If you're going to use analytics, if you're going to dive into, you know, expected goals, Corsi, all that stuff, you can't just cherry-pick who you use that for. You know what I mean? If you want to make an argument against a player, you have to use it for every single player. And I get that he's a young guy with a ton of offensive potential, but if you look deeper at those numbers, Sammy Niku has been, he's kind of been a train wreck at the NHL level. I hate to be so harsh, but it's true. I, I don't think it's going to work out here in Winnipeg. Maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it works out for him here, not somewhere else. And then we're left wondering, well, you know, how come Sammy Niku didn't pan out here, but he worked well with this team in the NHL? Now, we're going to get to the two big, exciting prospect names in a little bit later on here. But let's just look at what the Jets have for their third pair right now. Nathan Beaulieu was brought back. Just $1.25 million cap hit along with Tucker Pullman. I, I don't mind that. It's it's not the, the best third pairing in the NHL, but I think it's a serviceable one. I, I'm a big Nathan Beaulieu fan too, by the way. I think he's a good fit on the third pair. And, and you know what? Tucker Pullman played pretty good in the playoffs. Let's give him some credit there. He was pretty good against the Flames. So if that's the Jets' third pair going into the season, I don't think that's going to be one of the worries for them this year. Now we move on to the second pair, and... You know, this was kind of, I, I think it went under the radar here in the city last season. It's just that, you know, the second pair wasn't really a problem for the Winnipeg Jets. It really wasn't. Like, they were they were pretty good, and it was all because of, it was all because of one guy. It was Neil Pionk. Neil Pionk came over. I'll eat a little bit of crow here because I was probably more so in this camp. Um, but he shut the haters up. He was everything I think Jets fans could have possibly hoped for and a little bit more on top of it. I mean, Neil Pionk's a top-four defenseman. There's there's no other way to put it. The way he played last season, at least, you're talking about a guy that was on pace for over 50 points on the blue line. And I, I think he was just outside the top 10 in scoring for defensemen this past season. And, you know, maybe closer to 20th in points per game, but still, that's, that's some really impressive numbers from Neil Pionk. He's really smart. He's got great offensive instincts. There's a bit of... A bit of coverage issues, a bit of strength size issues inside his own zone. But that's why I think he's a good second pairing defenseman. You're not going to ask him to go up against the other team's best. So maybe the biggest positive on the Jets' blue line last season. Now, I don't know if Derek Forbort is the guy that Jets fans want to be Neil Pionk's partner to start the season. But as it stands right now, he's penciled in to be that guy. You know, this is maybe the Jets' answer to how the Dallas Stars sort out their defensive pairings. 
And it's one of those, you know, if you've ever played NHL like 14 on PS3, like way back in the day, you would create like a defense pairing. You'd have the offensive guy and the defensive guy together. And you're like, boom, perfect chemistry, right? <laughs> but in all honesty, I don't mind the forward signing as, you know, kind of a buy low, low risk candidate. I don't know if the reward is super high. A guy that can come in and potentially fill that role. There just wasn't a whole lot available for the Winnipeg Jets. The guy I really wanted Kevin Shoveldayoff to go after, unfortunately, Washington did as well, was Brendan Dillon. I think Brendan Dillon would have been outstanding beside Neil Pionk. I think that would have been a great second pairing. Derek Forbert is maybe like a lesser, a slight, you know, like a, a Brendan Dillon light sort of a defenseman. So I, I think it's something that can work. Honestly, the, the thing I love the most about Derek Forbert, and to me it was the biggest thing missing from the Winnipeg Jets last season on the blue line, is he's got size. Like, he's a big-ass dude, <laughs> right? Like, it's just that simple. I, I think that's really important. I think we saw that in the playoffs last year, to be honest, with other teams, because I'm not a big believer in size matters. Not that you can't be a small defenseman and, and have success. I mean, we've seen more than enough guys on cup-winning teams that are undersized but give a ton of value. I mean, who wouldn't take Jared Spurgeon? Who wouldn't take Tory Krug, for example? But just look at the teams that went the deepest last year. Tampa Bay's blue line is absolutely gigantic. They really, like, they're huge. Victor Hedman, 6'5", 6'6". Sergeyev, 6'2", 6'3". Eric Chernak is like 6'3", 220. And Ryan McDonough is like, he's the runt of the litter, and he's listed at 6'1", 214. Dallas, I mean, look, you see Alexiak and Lindell out there. It's, it's pretty obvious that they're dealing with some bulk out there. It feels like it's almost mandatory nowadays to have some amount of size on the blue line. And the Jets didn't have that last year. Derek Forbert certainly brings that to the table this year, and I think there is some value to that. So I'm, I'm kind of excited, I, w- I guess I would say, about the team's second pair going into this season. Now, the names that everyone here... In the province, Jets fans all across the world, the names that they're really excited about, and you should be, is Dylan Sandberg and Billy Hainala. And I'm excited about them too, to be honest, right? Like, it's it's not like it's unfounded optimism on the two best Jets prospects on the blue line and what they can do maybe as early as this season. Personally, I think Dylan Sandberg is more NHL-ready than Billy Hainala. And I think he's going to be the one that gets first crack at NHL minutes. I do wonder what what Villahenela's path is this season. It's it's kind of tough to get a read on that because now the Finnish league has shut down for the time being. The AHL isn't going to start up until early February. And we don't know how many spots are going to be open on NHL rosters. So I, I'm not sure what the best way to go with Villahenela is if he's not going to be in your top six. Vili Hainala needs to get more ice time. He needs to play a ton. And if it is in Finland, I think that's great for him this season. If it's in the AHL, for me, even better. Give him 25 minutes a night. Give him, you know, first power play minutes. Make him your top pair defenseman and see what you got. And if he's good enough and if he's too good for that league even, then you find room for him at the NHL level. But I think it's more important to find out what you have in Dylan Sandberg just because of the age thing, right? Like Vili Hainala, 19. Dylan Sandberg turns 22 in January. He's an intriguing partner for Neil Pionk, isn't he? Right? Like, that's that's going to be one of, if not the most intriguing battle, all training camp is, can he come into his first NHL training camp and grab a spot in the top four without needing any seasoning whatsoever at the AHL level? 
it's rarefied company for any any defenseman to do that. When you look at guys that were in college that took the leap from the NCAA immediately into a top four role in the NHL without a whole lot of seasoning, you're talking about recent guys like Matt Niskanen, Brett Pesci, Jacob Slavin, Kevin Shattenkirk, and Jake Gardner. Now that's really comforting company if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, hearing those names and going, holy crap, that could be Dylan Sandberg, could be one of those guys. Now the intriguing part about all of those names is they all spent a little bit of time in the AHL. Some of them pretty brief. I think Pesci and Slavin played like 10 or so games in Charlotte before they were called up and then they didn't miss a beat for the rest of their careers. Um, so it's not like they spent years there, right? Like some of these guys spent a little bit of time, but they all spent some time. Um, this is not a normal year, and I don't think Dylan Sandberg is going to be given that opportunity. Um, but I, you know, one of the names here intrigues me in terms of a comparable, what you might want to expect out of a Dylan Sandberg. Look, if he, if he becomes a Jacob Slavin, the Jets hit a grand slam with that pick in the second round. I don't know if he is going to be up to that level. Hopefully he is. But Brett Pesci is kind of a neat comparison, isn't it? I think the Winnipeg Jets might have just found themselves their version of a Brett Pesci. And I think that's really, really exciting. And that's a great get to pick somebody like that in the second round because Brett Pesci, you know, he, he's, he was on pace to crack 30 points two seasons ago. I don't know if he's ever going to get to that mark. But you're looking at, at somebody that can chip in offensively at least a little bit, but is more impactful inside his own zone. I think that's ultimately what you're looking at with Dylan Sandberg here. He's not going to be a half a point a game guy in the NHL. Probably never going to get on the power play. But if you're asking him to be really dependable inside his own zone, 100% he's going to do that. He's kind of the modern-day shutdown defenseman. A bigger guy, but he's able to skate and close gaps really well. I'm pretty excited about Dylan Sandberg this season, and I think he's going to be a guy that can come in and, and do some some good work for this team. And if you ask Craig Button, by the way, which we did a couple of months ago on the big show on TSN 1290, Craig Button did say this about both Dylan Sandberg and Billy Hanela. Craig Button thinks they're both NHL-ready today. Well, he said that two months ago, technically. <laughs> so two months ago, they were ready today. Arguably, they're even more NHL-ready today. So when you talk about praise like that, there is help coming up down the pipeline for the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know if Vili Hainala is going to bring that this season at the NHL level for the team, but I do think we will see Dylan Sandberg at some point provide a decent amount of impact for this team, and that may end up being one of the bright spots when we look back on how the Winnipeg Jets did this past season. And then we get to the top pairing, and this is where the intrigue lies on the blue line for me the most this season. You have Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello. Now, they were a pairing pretty briefly last season. Dylan DeMello obviously brought over after the trade deadline, and they didn't play a whole lot in the regular season. They played six games together, you know, two goals, four, none against on the ice. They were pretty good in the Corsi department, but expected goals down to 42% for those that are wondering once shot quality is taken into consideration. They were pretty underwhelming as a pair together. They were really good, though, in the playoffs. 
60% Corsi, and they broke even at expected goals. So I'll just briefly touch on Dylan DeMello here because Josh Morrissey is the biggest storyline when it comes to the Jets' blue line this season. Um, But DeMello, I don't know how you can't like him, to be honest. I think he's really solid. He's one of those guys. I mean, coach porn was what Paul Maurice said. Um, and I, you can kind of understand that by watching him, hey? He's going to make a lot of those plays that go under the radar, and they're not going to be, you know, 80-foot stretch passes. They're not going to be 100-mile-an-hour slap shots and things like that, but he's going to make all the little plays that over the course of a game, over the course of several games and then a season, they kind of slowly stack up on top of each other, and at the end, you get a guy that, you know, is, is pretty underrated across the NHL, who was good in San Jose, and he was outstanding last year. In Ottawa, and I, so I, I think it's a, a nice, smart get by Kevin Shovelayoff to bring Dylan Demello back into the fold. And for three mil, I mean, getting any top four defenseman for three mil is a massive, massive win in my books. But then we get to Josh Morrissey, and I think it's pretty clear for anybody that watched him last season that it was definitely his worst at the professional level. It was it was a bit of a tough year for Josh Morrissey. We we found out some things about him as well. Not all of Josh Morrissey's struggles last year are on him specifically. The biggest problem, I think, was that too much was thrust on his plate. Josh Morrissey was basically asked to fill the role of a Victor Hedman, to fill the role of a Roman Yossi, to fill the role of, you know, name your top five, top ten defensemen in the NHL. He was asked to carry a top pairing by himself, essentially, and to deliver outstanding results against the best the NHL has to offer. And he couldn't fill that role. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. It just doesn't mean Josh Morrissey is a no-doubt-about-it stud number one defenseman. And, and there's very few of those guys at the NHL too, by the way. He could still potentially be that guy. He's only 25 years old. Maybe Josh takes a step this season and turns into that stud defenseman that the Winnipeg Jets desperately, desperately need. But as it stands right now, going into the season... Yeah, he's he's not that guy. I think you know what? I think on a cup contending team, I think Josh Morrissey is a good number 2 defenseman. Not a second pairing defenseman, but a good number 2 defenseman. I think if you put a a stud beside him, I don't think you have any questions whatsoever that your top pairing could go up against anybody in the NHL. But I don't know if Josh Morrissey is a number 1 guy right now at this point. Now, here's the really interesting part that I want to get into here. About a week or so ago, I joined the Grit Per 60 guys here on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you haven't heard them before, check them out. They're outstanding. They brought up an interesting point that I hadn't really thought of before. And we got into talking about Morrissey and DeMello as a pairing. I guess the harsh reality is that when you look at top pairings across the NHL, Morrissey DeMello would be somewhere in and around the bottom 10. I don't know if you could put them into the top 20. Maybe they have a, a bit of a breakout and and they reach that realm. But as it stands right now, probably a bottom 10 top pairing in the NHL. Best case scenario, maybe you're looking at something like league average. But the guys at Grit Per 60 brought up the fact that, man, wouldn't Morrissey DeMello be an out-of-this-world second pairing? That does make a lot of sense, especially when you look at, you know, we talked about some of the best in the NHL, Tampa Bay. How, you know whether you want to call Sergachev Chernak or or just Ryan McDonough and and someone beside him as a second pair. You know you have Heiskin and Alexiak out there in Dallas. You'll have Theodore and Martinez out there in Vegas. There's a lot of really really good second pairings in the NHL. I think Morrissey Demello. 
I think they would fit into the top 10 of second pairings in the NHL. So then it got me into the, if the Winnipeg Jets could have a quote-unquote cup-contending blue line with a Morrissey-DeMello second pairing, the big question is, how do you get to that point? How do you find a top pairing without using one of Morrissey or DeMello? And you know what, guys? I think there's a way the Jets could possibly do that. Well, I have a solution, everyone. Allow me to introduce you to Douglas Jonathan Hamilton Jr. Yeah, Dougie Hamilton is the answer to the Winnipeg Jets' blue line woes. Now, unfortunately, that's probably a next season thing, right? Like, I don't know. To me, the only way Dougie Hamilton comes to Winnipeg is if Patrick Liney is traded for him. And I don't think that's likely. I could be wrong. I just don't see that happening this season. So then you're looking at next year finding that stud defenseman. And do you know how rare it is to have the actual opportunity to get a no-doubt-about-it number one defenseman? He's an upcoming UFA, so you just wonder for the Hurricanes, a team that, you know, you wonder if they're going to have a bit of an internal cap as well. They, I mean, they're loaded in defensemen already, and they've also got some prospects up and coming that maybe they feel like could enter the fray soon and replace Dougie Hamilton. I think there's a decent chance that he could hit the market. And if the Winnipeg Jets could get a guy like Dougie Hamilton for just cap space alone, you have to jump all over it. And you have to empty the bank at him as well, right? Like if it if it takes an extra mil, a mil and a half per season to get Dougie Hamilton signed here in Winnipeg, 100% you do it. And, and no questions asked either. Because if you look at the potential impact that Dougie Hamilton could have for this team next season – I don't know how you don't get jacked up. I really don't, right? And and for those that are maybe unfamiliar with just how good Dougie Hamilton was last season, he was on pace for 70 points this past season. And I think at the time he was injured, he only played 47 games, had 40 points. Dougie Hamilton may have been the front runner for the Norris Trophy. He may have been the best defenseman in the NHL this past season when he was healthy. That's the kind of guy you're getting. That's the kind of guy that could potentially join the Winnipeg Jets for nothing but cap space. And they might have a little bit to work with next season, depending on some of the moves that are made by Kevin Dayoff. And if you want to get really excited, why don't we look at what a Jets blue line could look like next season if somehow they could convince Dougie Hamilton to sign with them as a UFA? You would, like I said earlier... How many second pairings are better than Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello together? There's not a whole lot, to be honest. But that could be the case for the Winnipeg Jets if you sign Dougie Hamilton. Whether it is Dylan Sandberg or Billy Hainala, let's just say for argument's sake it's it's the older Dylan Sandberg. But how does this sound for next season? Dougie Hamilton on your right side, joined by Dylan Sandberg on the left. Then you have that second pairing of Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello. To me, that's borderline elite. It may just be elite when it comes to second pairings across the NHL. And you could maybe use them more as your shutdown role. Hey, go out there. Offense is great if you can find some. But not giving up anything is even better. And that's what we're going to ask you to do. I think they'd be perfectly situated for that. And then how exciting could Avili Hainala, Tucker Pullman third pairing be? Right At that point, Billy Hanel is going to be 20 years old, and that would be your third pairing. I think that is a tremendous sixth defenseman unit 
that the Jets could have next season. So dare to dream, Jets fans. Now, I should mention, you didn't hear Neil Pionk's name in there. He's going to be an upcoming RFA at the end of this season. That negotiation is going to be fascinating, too, by the way. But if Dougie Hamilton comes to Winnipeg, Neil Pionk exits Winnipeg. I, there's just no way, cap-wise, the Jets would be able to fit all those guys in. And while, you know, maybe you don't necessarily get a ton in a deal for Neil Pionk, knowing, with other teams knowing, you have to move him. I don't know, as a 26-year-old second pair guy on the right side that gives you offense maybe the Jets get a pretty nice piece up front but you would have to move on from Neil Pionk at this point but I think it's pretty obvious the upgrade from Pionk to Hamilton is more than worth the risk there so again let's just dare to dream Jets fans imagine a blue line next season of Dougie Hamilton joined by Dylan Sandberg followed by a second pair of Morrissey DeMello and then a third pair of Billy Hanela and Tucker Pullman. Let's hope next season we're talking about much, much rosier things. And I'll tell you what, guys, if that's the case, there's no doubt about it. The Jets would go right back into cup contention mode. No doubt about it. So that's something that's really exciting. And we'll see if the Jets can pull that off because that's the one thing that this decor is missing. It's, it's the one thing that pretty much any, any Stanley Cup winner has. If you go back through time, there's maybe two teams in the last 20 years that didn't have it. And that's that, no doubt about it, number one stud defenseman. Hopefully the Jets can find one going into next season. All right, so that's about it for today's episode. For Fri- When we return on Friday, I'm going to get your reactions, your comments, everything you guys have to say about the Winnipeg Jets blue line going into this season. How good do you think Josh Morrissey is? How good do you think he could be? Pionk, DeMello. You know, what do you expect out of Sandberg and Hanel of this season? Is Sammy Niku, is that a guy maybe the Jets shouldn't get? Whatever it may be, I want to know what you have to say. So, again, hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Wiki. And to kick off Friday's show, I'm going to dive into all your comments. I'm really interested to see what you guys think. And on top of that, what you guys think about where the Winnipeg Jets rank across the NHL. Where would you put their blue line? Bottom five, bottom ten? Could you? Do you think maybe even league average? Let me know again on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki. After I dive into your comments on Friday, really excited for this. I am so jacked. And I'll be honest, I was kind of nervous doing this interview. And I hope it doesn't come out that way. But I was I, I, I was a little starstruck in a sense. Um, being a foodie and being a big fan of the scene here in Winnipeg, Mandel hits her is going to join me for Friday's episode. He's the chef and owner of the critically acclaimed Deer and Almond, one of the best restaurants in Canada. I mean, it's an absolute delight. If you haven't tried it yet, go down there in the exchange. You will not regret it for one second. Pick up, take out, delivery. They do all of that. Uh, But Mandel is also uh, part of a group that spearheaded Raw Almond, the dinner out on the lake, out on the frozen tundra here in Winnipeg over the last several years. He even did it out in Japan. It's it's just it's something that's become world renowned at this point. And on top of it, he's on TV. Yeah, Mandel's on the Food Network. We talk about that too. And for those that have been following along so far, we'd like to close out our food interviews with a a unique take on that restaurant's game day dish. Mandel goes completely out of the box, completely over the top. 
with a Deer at Almond game day dish that you you absolutely got to find out what it is. It, it sounds tremendous. I hope they put it on their menu sometime soon. But that's coming up on Friday as well. Well, that's it, everyone. Again, thank you so, so much for listening here on Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Brandon Verwicki. Until next time, peace.